bad for the podcast listeners, but you know, I don't care right now. Austin Mack and feeling bold on a Friday. I gave him a six song Christmas playlist said these bangers, please. And he just says, no, I'm not. I'm going to play a song I like. And you know what? I like it, Mackie. You must play boldly to win. Somebody great uh, said that once upon a time. Uh, yeah, so. I want winners. I do. And I like Mackie showing a little gumption behind the glass, playing hurt. They've been they've been bringing in string of sick operators trying to kill producer Jeff as a party uh, before Christmas. I think that was the plan anyways, but Azo's resilient. You cannot, cannot get to him. Leafs. Uh, not as resilient last night. Uh, that was gross. You know what? Uh, actually, I'm going to ask for something uh, from the guys behind the glass. Let's see if they're paying attention since I talked about them for the first two minutes. Do we have Austin Matthews comments on the Leafs game last night? We have that. I think it'd be good to hear from one of the members of the leadership group and the guy on pace for 73 goals as to what he thought about last night's game. Uh, embarrassment is probably the right word to use. Um, just from start to finish, top to bottom, not uh, not nearly good enough. Um, you know, just a bad hockey game from our team tonight. There's really no excuse. There's no uh, pinpointing the blame on uh, one specific individual. I think just collectively, uh, probably one of the worst games uh, since I've been been here. So. Interesting with the Christmas music blaring in the background of that. I thought it, that's what I heard any, anyways. Um I like that from Matthews. I don't think you expect to hear anything different, but it'd be very easy for the guys on that team to feel like they were they were sunk in by their goaltender completely, and that was the story of the night. That wasn't, but it's easy for a team that's been playing the way the Leafs have played, and they got the goaltending they got last night to just tell themselves that story. And I think that's what we always have loved about Matthews is that there is ownership there. Maybe it's not as forceful. I mean, he called it embarrassing. I don't know. I, do you want him to be more emotional? Like, do you want him to have, you know, a better cadence? Right, do you want him right. to say it more pungently or whatever? But I, I look at that and I say, that's a guy who takes the rest, right message out of the game. There is for sure some element. You're only human. I'm sitting there going, okay, would it have killed you to give us one save? Samsonov, like, would that have, would that have physically killed you to do that last night? But for them to look in the mirror and say, yeah, it's on him, but it's just as much on us. It's the right message for them to take out of it. And I, again, like I am, I don't think it tells us anything about the team one way or another, but I am dying to know what version of the Leafs we get tomorrow night in Columbus. One of the things he said at the very end was probably one of the worst games since I've been here. I think that does show some some taking of responsibility. Sure. So I, you definitely want to see that from a guy getting paid a lot of money and a guy who was highly drafted and someone who's viewed as probably the next captain of the team For once sure. Tavares is out of there. So I, I, I think I, that's something I really appreciated about that. But uh, I, I do kind of wonder what Sheldon Keefe's response is because there there probably is to a certain extent uh, a willingness or, or or a want perhaps to say ah it's a crappy game you mm-hmm. throw throw burn the game tape throw mm-hmm. it all out but I I kind of just I kind of don't want them to do that like mm-hmm. you have to move on from these games for sure obviously you can't let it hang over you going into Columbus but at the same time you can't completely say okay well we we can we cannot think about this anymore you have to use at least some part of it to help you motiv- be motivated going forward. And, I mean, the Jackets are another bad team that you already mm-hmm. lost to in the last, what, week, yep. essentially? So, I don't know. I just I don't want to see another 6-5 repeat, repeat, and you're not going to come back from down five goals again. <laughs> so, 
It just you you want to see them start on time. If there was a New New Year's resolution, gosh, Gunner, and I know it's a cliche, but I want I want to see them start on. They just don't almost ever start on time against the really bad Mm -hmm. teams. Like I said, said this to the first hour of the show, but I would just like sometimes to see the Leafs go and play a bad team Mm -hmm. and just hammer them. Mm -hmm. Just go in and do what good teams are supposed to do to bad teams. And you don't often see that. So I do kind of wonder if they can pull a little bit from this this debacle in Buffalo going into Columbus tomorrow. I think some people in the room would say, you know what's better than beating a bad team? What about beating a slightly better than bad team 7-0 right. in the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because they've done that. That's the, that is the confounding part about this group. You know, I, I'm, it's interesting that you bring up Keefe. Because I've been thinking about, you know, we have so many... We've spent so much time leading into the season. I point blank asked Brad for living if he was allowed to criticize the team in the media. Like it was such a big conversation topic, but I actually think it is the right tact. Now it needs to be followed up with a different tact from the team. And I'll talk about that in a second, but I think it actually is the right tact for Keefe to not overreact to this one. You need Matthews to be the one hammering home that message. You just heard it from him. You need that to come from Tavares and Riley and Mitch Marner. And, okay, I don't I don't picture William Nylander looking at anybody in the eye and saying we got to be better. I think he believes it. I just think he'll let somebody else say yeah, that. Yeah. But that is where I actually think it is the right message for the coach to take half a beat back and go, all right, my team's better than that. They're way, way better than that. I'm disgusted by it. And so long as you all are too – we can move on. And I think the fact that, so that's why I don't think you're going to see him barbecue in this team left, right, and center. I don't think you're going to see something in the pregame skate in Columbus where he hammers the group. I think you're going to want the internal accountability from them. And again, like this is the beauty of this team is that we can read so much into it is let's say they lay an absolute egg tomorrow again in Columbus. Let's say Marty Jones is in net and it is it goes kind of similarly to how it went Yesterday in Buffalo, where just a bad goal goes in early and the team just deflates. Right. Does that tell you something about the team? Or does it tell you they're sitting there going, I got four days off coming after this and I got to go. Well, they don't have to. Let's be honest. The Leafs are not running around buying Christmas presents. I think they have people in their families to take care of that stuff for them. But you get into the holiday spirit. You're ready. You're looking at vacation. I don't know that that proves that they're so far away from being a winning team or that they don't take it seriously or that they don't have the right moxie. I don't know that we can read that into it, but people will take that tact if they lay another egg in Columbus. But I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because they're the Leafs. It's what they do. And I don't know, you add in the play of the blue line in front of Samsonov, and I mean, yeah. they, they are also heavily injured. I mean, like even, even before the injury to Wall happened, mm-hmm. we were having the conversations across these airwaves about they still need reinforcements for the blue line and and they're also dealing with injuries and I know Lily Green returned relatively recently but yeah, it was nice. and that was it was great to see but you you do need some reinforcements on this team at some point it's true it might it might just be a, a lull at the end of the season I, I also do kind of wonder we kind of had this conversation it's funny with Charles Davis about mm-hmm. the NFL and I think it kind of applies to the NHL as well in that they're not there aren't a lot of truly elite teams Mm -hmm. in the NHL. There are some. There are a handful of very good teams, and I still consider the Leafs to be a good team. They're not they're not in the same boat as the Penguins or the Hurricanes or you know other other teams that are below them in the standings, certainly when even even if you just looked at their records, Mm -hmm. but there there aren't a lot of teams in the NHL that exist in the same realm 
in in the very upper echelon, there are a lot of teams that exist in the mushy middle up yep. upper middle class, if you want to call it. I'm not really sure what you want to no, what you want to sure. label it, but I think the Leafs are are kind of in that little lull, which which kind of to a certain extent helps contribute to all of this. Even the teams that we've kind of looked at is they they've got their stuff together. They always take like the Hurricanes have taken a step back. Yeah. They're not quite the team you've expected them to be. Part of it is they can't get a save, and hey, uh, boy. The Leafs have certainly seen that at times this year. Bruins, we've talked about them like a juggernaut, but they've certainly cooled off a a, a little bit. And, you know, that makes all the sense in the world. They've lost, you know, pillars of their organization twice in the last three to five years, whatever it was from Chara to Bergeron now. So I don't think anybody's surprised by that there. The Rangers, Leafs just saw it. That's a very good hockey team. Far from perfect. I yeah. mean, the difference, though, is they have the goalie that can paper over so much that isn't perfect there. And I think that's what we keep coming back to with the with these different teams is that if you're one of those mushy middle teams or not even mushy middle, but upper echelon, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. not truly great, saying, but yeah. upper echelon teams. If you have a goaltender that can paper over the flaws, because everybody has flaws because of the cap, then I think those are the teams we we look at in that way. Uh, time to bring in our, our final guest of the day. This insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Really enjoyed our chat a couple weeks ago with you. Uh, Jason DeMare is joining us now, NHL Network. Jason, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are we doing, boys? We're how doing... We, how are we feeling this how are we feeling this morning after uh, that loss? <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're feeling it. Yeah, kind of felt like I was in net a little bit. Still shell-shocked uh, myself, quite frankly. I- I'm sure you've played in games, be it at the NHL, be it at other levels on both sides uh, of the ledger there. What is the day after? You know, I-, I imagine in the aftermath of the game, you go, oh, my God, what just happened? But what is it like kind of waking up and trying, okay, got a game tomorrow a- after that from, uh, I mean, I- again, like I said, I'm sure you've been on either sides of, of those blowouts. I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, the Denny Jacques quote from Slapshot where he just says, you feel shame. <laughs> uh, you feel shame. I mean, it's hard to, there's not much you can do other than just, you got to throw it out. But, you know, because you expect to a man that everybody knows what happened last that last night. I mean, you can't hide from it. You know what I mean? Like, typically, if you you lose a 4-3 game, but you didn't play your best, you can kind of hide. But here, it's, it's to a man, nobody had a good game. And it's uh, it was a, it was a telling game. I mean, it's it's more indicative also of how helter-skelter the Buffalo Sabres are because I don't know what they are. You know, they just got blown out 9-4, and then they come back and win 9-3 against a great team like the, the Maple Leafs who've been moving humming right now. So, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's just a gut check kind of game for the Maple Leafs. They'll come back. They'll be better. But, you know, it's, I think uh, they were playing so well that you're – I think they were playing above what everybody thought with the injuries and, and the goaltending. And, you know, that forward group just kind of carried them a little bit and, and – I think there was a there needed to be kind of a moment of hey they're they're human so I think they got it they probably got a taste of it and I think they're just gonna kind of regroup and come back. So Jason, from a from a player perspective, we, we've been, we've talked a lot about this morning how you have this holiday break coming up. 
There's a game tomorrow, certainly, but then after that, they don't play again. The Leafs until the 27th. Is, is there any aspect like we, we as people preparing to go on vacation are already ready for I this? I am on vacation in 47 minutes. Or sorry, 37 <laughs> minutes, Jason. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah I'm counting it down. You're so quiet. That's why you're so quiet. You just you already checked out. <laughs> well, how, how how do players deal with that, knowing that they have a couple of days off? Like, I'm not saying anyone's taking plays off or putting in less effort, but I, I just feel like when, when you know that's in the back of your mind, it can't be easy to completely ignore going forward, especially when you have to play at a very high level night in and night out. No, it's, it's, it's definitely a factor. It's there. But again, it's like t- the teams that have kind of ingrained that culture of, listen, you, you need those points. And I always find that the games going into the break and coming out of the break, like whether it's, whether it's, whether it's Christmas, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's yeah. all-star break. Bye weeks, that those, kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, those are important games because everybody's thinking the same thing. Hey, we're going into the break. Like, it's almost there. Guys get excited. And all the good teams I played on was like, we need these games. We we have to have these games. And they're like, listen, just play as hard as you can with excitement because you know that once the, the bell sounds or the, you know, the, the horn goes at the end of the game, you're – you're on vacation for two, two, three days. So, but I think for Toronto, it's just, it's important to kind of stay, stay locked in and because they, uh, you know, they're going to, they have, you go right into the break and then you come out and you're playing the Ottawa centers who are, who are really desperate right now. So it's, it's important time. It's important games. Yeah, one of the things that's happening for the Leafs, and you know, to their credit, they didn't they didn't point to it as an excuse last night. And you know, they were bad enough on their own. I don't think they needed it. But the goaltending for this team, it has hit a massive snag. I mean, Joe Wall seemed to have given them a, a guy who was kind of starting to run with the number one job as a younger goalie. He gets hurt. You think, okay, Samsonov's there. This is the guy who won him a playoff series for the first time in a generation, and he has just not been able to find it. He has openly talked about the confidence being shot for him I mean he's just missing pucks just waving at him and missing with the glove it's it's he's in a really bad spot right now you know I I'm not asking you to throw any former teammate under the bus but I imagine you played on teams where you're looking back there going oh can we get a save like what does that do we've heard from players the other side of things when you got a lung fist back there or whoever it is standing on their head you feel like I'm invincible whatever we do it's not going to matter what's it like on the other side of the ledger when you're just not getting saves what does that do to a team and the the way they play or the the mentality it's uh to be honest it's it's kind of scary because you're you know you know what you have as a team but you're looking back at your goalie and listen every goal i've played with and i've had some that had some confidence issues and things like that and struggled they're all amazing human beings and it's nothing against them it's just i've been there as well as a player with with fighting confidence and that's literally 90 percent of of hockey is having having that mental fortitude and that confidence to to execute what you kind of practice and and work on in the summer. So, but it's a scary thing when you're playing in front of that, especially the demon. You know that it's your goalie shaky because you all get together before the game and you're taught you're like, hey guys, like we really need to tighten it up because we don't know when the puck gets by us if it's going in or not. So, and you but you want to make it easy on. The goalie, like I'm sure Toronto right now, they're the guys that listen. We, we want to make it as easy as possible for Samsonov. Let him get his confidence back. And but sometimes you get into that little loop of that negative loop and that 
hole you dig yourself in and it's it's the only person to get yourself out is you so you kind of have to realize that listen it's just a game you're that's all it is it's a game i know you know it's we put a lot of we put a lot of seriousness and onus on it but it's a game that you're playing you have the privilege you get paid handsomely to do it so just take a breath and just relax like aaron Rodgers would say have a glass of scotch and just uh go in and play because you know he's He's capable of doing it. Like you said, he won them a playoff series. Like you, it's there. So you don't just forget. You don't just forget to play hockey. You, you lose your confidence and you got to refine it. So it's like kind of just, you know, just get over yourself and, and get back out there and play. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's, I've had a lot of great teammates and, you know, they, they would just always tell me, you know, the Rob Blakes and the Joe Thorntons and those guys that just never seem to lose confidence and, they just all say the same thing that they're just like, it's relaxed. It's a game happens to everybody where you go through struggles, but it's even happened to Wayne Gretzky where he's went through struggles. It's happened to all these guys, but you just, just relax. It's a game. It's fun. It should be fun. So if it's not fun, then uh, there's an issue. So, because I mean, who gets to make that much money and, and play a hockey game? Like that's just the dream of so many people. So, for him, it's just more that. And as teammates, you just got to do whatever you can to keep him positive and keep him kind of rolling in the right direction. And, uh, but yeah, I know there's times you're just, you're sitting in the room and you're like, geez, Louise, like we're in, we're in one night, boys. We gotta, we gotta help him out. We're like block everything, you know, it's just like, you gotta block everything. So. Well, Jason, you know, when you talk about the goaltending situation, it's kind of a catch-22 to a certain extent because if you want Samsonov to get the chance to right the ship, he probably has to play a little bit more. And I think for the Leafs right now, it kind of feels like Martin Jones. Like, there, there are four games, including tomorrow, before the end of the calendar year, and it kind of feels like Martin Jones will probably play in three of those games and all, he wouldn't, he's only not playing in four because one of the two of those games are back to back. So I just, it, how, how do you get Sam Snow right? Knowing that he's just probably not going to be given that many opportunities to actually physically get in the net. And on the other end of it, I mean, Martin Jones is a, is a veteran goaltender. He's been around for a very long time and he does seem to have that stabilizing presence. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he went in relief of Sam Snow last night and still led in four goals. So, it's just kind of an up and down roller coaster with the goaltending group right now. Yeah, the, what a, that game yesterday. It's like I don't think you you could have had Henrik Lundqvist in the net, and I think it just just wasn't. It was one of those nights. Yeah, Aaron uh, Jones has been so good for them, and it's one of those guys you scratch your head like, how did he kind of go unnoticed? And and um, but it's good. It's good that they have him. I think you listen if. Anytime with goaltending nowadays, it's whoever's hot. You got to ride. You got to go with him. So I think they got to stay with him, and hopefully Samsonov figures it out. You know, there's a lot of teams that are there's, there seems to be more than usual going through goalie issues this year, and, and I don't know if it's the way that the guys are shooting better or yeah. there's there's less defense, so there's more backdoor tapping. But it just seems like there's just goalie issues all all in the league, and we were just talking about it on the NHL Network there's just a lot of teams that are in the middle of the pack that are hanging on that, that it's just, you just need a above average goaltending, like just slightly above average and you'll win. You'll, you'll be in the playoffs right now. So it's kind of like, it's this weird, this weird moment in time. But I mean, if I'm the Maple Leafs, you got to roll with, 
Martin Jones, and, and you got to hope Samson if he gets that one game every now and again, which he should be even less stressed about because that just means he's just got to be locked in for one game. I know some goalies want to keep playing, and that's how you <clears throat> get your rhythm, but, you know, the Maple Leafs seem to keep winning, and I think uh, Jones is the guy right now, so you got to just roll with him until he uh, until he breaks. Yeah, I think that'll be the the plan. You know, you mentioned it there, the the goaltending issues across the league. Does it feel, and I don't know, maybe it's just I'm so bogged down in it this year, but does it feel like there's not really any truly great teams in the NHL right now? I don't know. Maybe it's a flat cap. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, Vancouver has just gone, like the whole time Vancouver's been leading the Pacific, I've been going, okay, surely the the Knights are going to catch them. And I know they're tied right now, but, you know, even a team like the Golden Knights, who I think of, that's that's probably the best team in the NHL, in my opinion, but they don't feel unbeatable. They don't feel unflappable. I mean, you know, I know we're not, we're, we're no time soon going to get back to Wings Penguins that are just back-to-back cup finals all the time, but does it feel like we do have a bit of a lack of kind of truly great teams and I don't even know that it's so much mushy middle because you know the Rangers are good the the Golden Knights are good the Leafs I know it doesn't feel like it today they're a good hockey team there are good teams in the league but none of them feel kind of truly great to me what what do you make of that have you kind of noticed the same thing yeah I mean I I think it's very top heavy this year Uh, I I'm a firm believer that you know, defense is dead in the NHL. We're we're kind of ushering in it. We're ushering, and that's like me, like a bitter, bitter old man, just being like all oh, these these young kids. But you know, we back we do a lot in my day, we back check, Jason. Oh, it's just it's back checking. It's the defending. It's so it's so much more lazy than I've seen in recent years, and because I feel like. You know, every team wants their D-man to join the rush, and you have to lead the rush and join the rush. And, you know, they have a lot more D in the league now that are offense-minded first, which, you know, creates some amazing things offensively. And it is true in the analytics side. If you control the puck more than the other team, you know, you're probably going to win the game. Your expected goals and all those nerdy stats that we've kind of jumped into. But <laughs> there's just a lot of teams that are lacking fundamentals that it's it hurts them because now that everybody's thinking offense, well, you can't outscore your problem, your defensive problems at times. So it's like now that everybody's the copycat league, so everybody's kind of trending in the same direction. I mean, even the Islanders are playing an offensive minded game. So it's like now you almost need to be a little bit more defensive because, you know, you're not going to out, you're not going to out offense like the Edmonton Oilers or the Devils because they have just some absolute game breakers, but you have to play tighter defensively. And it's like, it, it, that just seems to be missing. But I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Kings. I think they're, they're my best team in the league right now, top to bottom. Mm. I just think they're so deep. I just think they're so deep. Yeah. And, you know, they're another team that could, you know, is Talbot the guy there? I don't know. He's a great goalie, but is he the guy? Like he doesn't really, he's, I don't know if he's there. Like the, the Knights are obviously, I think they're going to be there at the end. At the end, I just think they're kind of they're they're playing they're playing good, and they had some struggles really on scoring. But I think they're just kind of biding their time. And and but there's, I'm I I firmly believe it's wide open right now. Like there's if I'm in the middle of the pack, like in the NHL, I'm I'm in the room. Like listen, like especially the GM. Like we just need one piece, and we're we just make the playoffs, and it's kind of anybody's game you know there's you have those kind of the same 
same group of characters there. I know the Rangers are really good, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure about I'm not sure about Boston yet. I know they're they're playing great, and but I don't know if they're just deep enough. Mm-hmm. But you know their culture kind of seems to just keep them playing the right way every year. Um, I love the I love the Avalanche when they're. I think they. They need to stay healthy, and you know, again, them. It's, you never know with goaltending, but they need to see how when they get Gerard back, and and I think it's going to be, uh, it's going they're going to be scary. So, but yeah, it's 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 anybody's kind of it's anybody's year. I feel it's one of those it's one of those years. I think some random team's going to win that nobody thought that's going to kind of slide into the eight seed and mm. and surprise some people. So, but. You know, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily blame it on hard cap. I mean, it could be the cap because the flat cap this year, just because you know, there's a lot of guys that kind of got pushed out of the league, and and um, a lot of guys. You know, you there's a lot more young guys in the league. I feel than last year, so it's it's kind of that turnover year. Um, but that should that should be a good thing for GMs because they're like, it's anybody's anybody's Stanley Cup this year. You just got to kind of have the right pieces and get hot at the right time. Yeah, and I mean, the the good thing, just from my perspective, is no one ever thinks the Leafs are going to win the Cup. So if some unexpected team wins it, I do think uh, maybe maybe Toronto's in there. Uh, last one before we let you go. Uh, you... I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can dream. I'm putting it on my Christmas list, okay, Jason? They, I've been a good need... boy. I want it. <laughs> yeah, they need D and a goal. Like Martin Jones, yeah. I think, is good. But now they need they need two top four D. Like, yeah. At least, maybe four. They might need four top four D. They just—it's just the story for them every year. It's, it's and you know, I I like the way those guys are all playing as best they could, and, and they're trying. But when you have that much offense, you know, you don't need any more offense from the back end. Yeah. No, I. Uh... You need guys. You need guys that you need heavy guys that kind of like the, how the Knights were built. You mm-hmm. know, obviously. But they built from the youth a little bit with those with Haig and White Cloud, yeah. and McNabb. Like those, those guys aren't the play just a foot and and lead the rush guys, but they have good shots and they just kind of lean on you. So that's kind of what I bet you Leafs fans are kind of missing Justin Hole a little bit now. No. Oh, there's certainly some element to that. I mean, there are people who would never give him a fair shake at all, uh, and they will blame they'd blame him for everything. But uh, certainly not me. Yeah, they they'd love to have him. Okay, I was all set to let you go, but you mentioned the Kings, and you got me thinking about the mushy middle there. You or or these teams that all kind of have a chance. Again, the Kings are certainly not part of that. Uh, Todd McClellan, a guy you played for, I think he deserves a ton of credit for the work that's been happening in L.A. But I don't know how you can look, and you know, I know Tockett's going to have a case for Coach of the Year as well, but. Do coaches matter more than ever now? Because I look at that Flyers team, and I don't want to take anything away from the players. They're the ones who do it. But I look at that and go, that is a John Tortorella creation. No one had this team in the mix at all there. Like, how much do you think with teams just trying to find a way to search for that little advantage, do you think it's fair to say maybe coaching matters more than not ever, but then it's mattered in in the handful of years? Because I look at that Flyers team and say, if it's pretty much anybody else, I don't know that they're in the spot they're in. Uh, unless it's torts, kind of putting putting the screws to them all the time. Maybe you feel differently. I don't know. No, I I completely agree. I think more than ever now with the youth movement we've had in the NHL and the skill movement, where you know kids kids are learning way different methods of playing hockey, and it's more how to create more offense. A lot of these kids come in not knowing how to play defense, like whatsoever. Like they don't even know what you know D zone coverage is and. 
And the issue I have, and, and it's I've seen it creeping in the last few years, is, you know, the teams going to man-on-man only in the D zone and going to these very simple defensive structures that um, doesn't require much teaching. Like, you know, I'm, I, I hate man-on-man in the D zone because you should never have a D man at the blue line. You should never have a centerman net front. Yeah. There's no D there. There should always be a D net front. That's what you're paying those guys for. I don't care. Quinn Hughes or, or, or Kale McCarr, like you need a D net front and your forwards should be either helping out. You should maybe have one forward helping out at times, but they should be covering the points and your centerman should be a rover that's supporting the puck and supporting the, the, the demon when they get into battle. Um, I think it's lazy coaching um, mm. because the issue with man-on-man is if one guy has a bad night, let's say I'm having an off night, well, you lose 9-3. Right. It's as simple as that. It's because there's one breakdown and you're exposed because then you can't, no one's really told, you can't really leave your, your guy if your buddy gets beat. Well, I had my man. That's kind of a... I just find it's a, it's a lazy coaching and it creates selfish hockey. Because well, yeah. That's you go into the D zone, you're like, well, I was fine. Like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you know, like Morgan Riley lost this guy. Like, I don't care. Like, it's all good. <laughs> like, I might do it. So, so that's, it, it's, there should, it should be zone in NHL. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, just because of maybe it's, I've been watching more, but you look at every other sport and, you know, the football guys are, I know it's 16 games and, and put, you know, they have a whole playbook they have to memorize. Yeah. Why, why can't NHL guys, why can't we, you have two styles of defensive zone coverage and two styles of neutral zone four check um, that you can kind of play with when you're, when you're in a game, because it might not be working the man on man and you have to be able to go to a zone and other times the zone's not working and it's a team that you need to be man on man with. So I've always had qualms with that because, you know, I just find it, I, I just find it lazy. Like because guys are so skilled now and they'll create space for themselves. And you know, the I feel like the offensive style of coaching has overtaken the defensive side, and that needs to catch up. But you look at the teams that are structured and, and play a zone really well and, and tight, the Golden Knights, the the Kings. Teams that are at the top of the league, you know, the Rangers. And then you look at teams that have kind of been in the middle struggling a little bit, and, and they play this man-on-man style of defense where you, you have a D-man that's just chasing somebody. But I'm a right-handed D-man, and I'm chasing my guy all the way over to the left side mm-hmm. and then all the way to the, the point on the left side. I mean, once I get the puck, if I get it back from him, I'm exhausted from chasing him around, so I can't create any offense anyway. I'm just giving it back, giving it back to them and, and or turning the puck over because, I mean, I don't want, you know, I know he's he's been hurt and great for them, but like I don't want Giordano, at the point, oh, stripping the puck and then he's leading the rush and I got Austin Matthews at the net. Like I want Austin Matthews when I I as a D man, I'm like I want to go in the corner, I want to battle for you and then I want you to come and take the puck, and and help me out and get that thing out of there and hopefully get me an assist or a plus. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want you battling in the corner and me getting it. And then you're too tired and you have to change. And I have to ice it because you know, I'm not going to toe drag anybody coming have the zone. So just little, like just, it's frustrating to watch. And, and as a player, and I know fans 
might not understand the difference some of, some of them between D zone and and um, sorry D zone zone and and man on man because it's like you know and and a lot of teams play that way and then these guys have bad games because they're not really meant to be man on man guys because they're not as fast as these offensive guys so it's just like I just think everybody should be copying the Golden Knights on D zone because it's it's amazing what how they play and they you protect your goalie as well because you allow more shots from the outside, not as much from the inside in the middle, and you control that kind of, that portion of the ice, and you uh, you protect your goalie more, which more teams need to do that because, like we said, the mushy, I like you say mushy middle. Mm-hmm. The, the mushy middle is, is they need to help their goalie, so. Jason, this no, no, this was that was incredible. I think that was very illuminating for a lot of people. I I wish I I'm, I know I'm on vacation in 20 minutes, but I wish I had five more hours of the show because I could I could uh, dissect all of that. Well, I actually could. I just asked you to dissect it further because that was so good. I uh, really enjoyed it. And don't sell yourself short. I bet there was the odd toe drag when you were scoring nine goals, putting up 64 points in 67 games for the Victoriaville Tigers in ah. in year redacted we will not get into what year that was in but listen i get listen i could i could still play today i could go in today and have two practices and still play i just i was i spent half my i spent half my career on the operating table so i just did i want to be able to walk with my uh with my kids in a couple of years so uh but no i can't do this league, we, we, I can jump in there tomorrow That's... if the maple Leafs need me i'd maybe me and coley Akabo could probably roll in and play 15 minutes now nah, maybe 12 minutes maybe 12 minutes <laughs> hey uh there there have been some guys playing eight or nine tonight for this course so careful what you wish for old brad might uh come and call and jason i again i love the chat that don't do not feel bad about that rant that was illuminating for all of us i loved it i loved it thanks so much for jumping on i we're going to bug you again in the new year because i always love our chats with you man awesome can't wait thanks boys happy uh, happy holidays yeah, there he goes. Uh, Jason Demir, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to him as well. Uh, that insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. The reason I loved every, and I'll let you talk soon. I feel like it's been about 15 minutes. Uh, you, do you want to say hi so everyone knows you're still there, show? Hello. Okay, yep, still got him. I. <laughs> the thing I love about that is that so many of the conversations I have with regarding people of D zone, it's about, oh, how's your gap when you're defending on the rush? And we, you gotta, you gotta be harder. You gotta go win a battle. And guess what? Like that's all true. Those things are all valid. But we don't get to that level of conversation. And you know, it's funny he brought up the NFL in that of players have these playbooks to memorize. That's a very NFL style conversation of right. zone versus man and the intricacies of defense. And you know, I like time and place for all different types of hockey discussion. We just don't get that very often. Like I normally get that when someone pokes and prods born to give like a long answer but that was great i love that from demir so i think i think a lot of people would probably find that pretty illuminating as well well yeah because he's a he's the, he's not that far removed no. from playing in the nhl like jason is 35 and yeah, he, he only played re- a game for the oilers in 22 23 right so <laughs> he's not exactly a, 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 someone who is we're not talking to someone who has the perspective of playing defense in the NHL from the 70s yeah. or the 80s mm-hmm. or something. It's from it's from relatively speaking modern times, and you know a lot of people have the conversation. And this almost reminds me of the comments that John Tortorella had about guys taking hits and and what what the style of play is on the ice and how things need to change. I don't know if I agreed with everything he said, yeah, but yeah. I agree with a large chunk of how guys do need to perhaps 
adjust themselves on the ice and especially, especially defensemen. Mm-hmm. So I thought what Jason said was really interesting because, you know, you know I mean, there's a texture in the text line from Frank and Whitby mm-hmm. saying offensive players aren't afraid to play across the middle of the ice, opening more lanes for scoring. He, it's, it's true, mm-hmm. but I would like to see a change a certain, to a certain extent, which I think would lead to probably fewer six, five games or nine, eight games or whatever it may be. And that probably is good for hockey long-term, I think. Yeah, I think it definitely is. But you also have to be careful because you need the physical element in the game. It's what sells it. Like if people just want to watch people run up and down, and this is no shot at the NBA, I love it, but it's like, that's the NBA. It's a more free-flowing game. It's less physical. If you want that, I think you'd rather watch like Victor Wembanyama do it than Connor Bedard. Also, they took a picture together. It was all over the internet yesterday. It was very weird. It was very funny. (laughs) And then Alan Walsh. Uh, who I don't even know if he's Bedard's agent, but a prominent hockey agent, just tweeted out the salaries for the two players. And yeah, like shocker, the NBA guy makes a lot more than <laughs> Connor Bedard will probably ever make uh, in, in his life, uh, maybe on one deal. But I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. I thoroughly enjoyed a lot from this year in sport. I also, this, <laughs> this will shock everyone out there. I hated some things. I will talk about both, give you our best stories of the year, our favorite stories of the year. Maybe those are the same. Maybe they're different. It is Festivus tomorrow. Oh, it is. Uh, well, we can't. the problem is I can't do the airing of grievances because that's literally, this is just the show. <laughs> that's what it, it should is. be called. Okay. <laughs> airing of grievances with Be- with uh, Brent Gunning. Ben Ennis tries to keep him on track. Should be like the official name of the show. So every day is the airing of grievances, okay. but we might sneak in some of that as well. Text lines open, 590-590. Please include your name and location. One segment left until you're rid of me for a week and change. Fan Morning Show with Gunning and Ali on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick little PSA for, for everyone out there. Uh, Brent Gunning, Show Ali, wrapping up my final show for holiday vacation. And it's a miracle show hasn't killed me because he has to work tomorrow uh, as I've rubbed it in at the start of every single block. If you missed... Jason Demare's dissertation on zone defense in the NHL. It'll be presented at the Sloan Conference next year. I don't actually know if that's true, but you definitely should go back, check it out on podcasts, wherever you get your pods. I really, really enjoyed that conversation and just honestly have enjoyed Jason Demare's. He's made two appearances on the show and he's kind of checked both boxes. The first time he came on and he told us a hilarious story about him being blood spitting mad at a guy. Loved that. Sure. This time he comes on and illuminates everything about defending in the NHL. Absolutely love that. You do love a guy who can uh, who can do both, as the kids say. Absolutely. I don't yeah. even know if the kids say that. I, mean, I have a kid. I think they do. I, I, Your kid's like four years old. Though. I'm not. I am. I am not a youth correspondent. I don't even know if we have one of these around anymore. Forever. This is super behind the scenes of the fan, but here we are. Forever. Like Jr. Manitad was mm-hmm. my youth correspondent. I'd just be like, Hey, what are the children up to these days? But I feel like. I don't know. Like, is he young and hip anymore? Either I don't know. And I just no, called him I think hip. Like jo- so I now think Jobo, I'm 97 years old. Jobo and and Armin and those guys. I think they're, they're the they're the young people now. No, Armin's a bad youth correspondent because he was my producer on Leaf Games okay. forever. And okay. I'd just be like, "What's going on with the youth?" And he'd be like, "Do not, do not lump me in with these people." So he's <laughs> okay. bad, right. bad youth core. Great guy. Fair. Love it when he was pressing buttons on the show earlier in the week. Love it. Well, I, actually, I don't love it when JD just like verbally abuses him on the air. But, you know, that's either here or there. I love Armin is what I'm trying to say. What I've loved in sports this year, 
you know, I was putting a lot of thought into this, like what were my favorite stories? And I don't know if this is a story or a moment or however you want to word it, mm-hmm. but I, when I look back on 2023, there is no moment of my sporting life that I enjoyed more than my time covering the RBC Canadian Open this year. Oh, okay, not what I thought you were going to no, say. No, I, I know. And Nick Taylor doing the thing, snapping the drought forever, doing it in a playoff, in the rain. I'll give a shout out to my guy who would do the golf show with Sam McKee, watching it with him, being super unprofessional and hugging him <laughs> as soon as the putt dropped, seeing Mike Weir in near tears watching it, them just getting rid of a trophy for low Canadian because they're like, who cares? We won the tournament. We don't even need to give this thing out anymore. It was an incredible scene. And part of it is that I was so close to it. I literally was watching it beside the green. Did you see Adam Hadwin get tackled? I didn't. So that that oh, was the other okay. that was the other craziest part of it is there was so much happening on the green. Everyone again just wow, wow. Oh my god. Can you believe this just happened? Wow. Just a lot of saying wow in that moment and then you started to hear you see what happened to Hadwin? And again, this is 10 feet from us right, but right. there's just bodies everywhere. And then somebody pulls out a phone on and you'd start seeing people pulling up the video of it. And that part of it was just hilarious. So you went from the ecstasy of this, you know, maybe I care. I mean, I definitely care about it more because I'm such a golf guy, but I do genuinely believe an iconic Canadian sports moment. And then seconds later, we're laughing at Adam Hadwin and getting Goldberg speared by the security guard. It was just an incredible moment that I'll never forget being there. So I don't know what you want to call that story, moment, whatever. That was far and away my number one. See, I I thought you were going to go with what with the one I yeah. was going to say, and I was going to have to change mine, but I was going to say no, the least make, making out of the first round. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's got to be the the top sports story of the season. I, I just I, I suppose if we went a little broader, sure. I, I feel like I probably would say yeah. I think the b- baseball changing some of the rules to mm-hmm. make the sport better agreed was a, was a great part of Boy, this past year. Wonderful. But my my most enjoyed yeah. moment yeah. was seeing the overtime. Let's goal. talk. Talk about in that it. net and seeing the Leafs for the first time in my adult life make yes. it to the second round. I think I, I know it did not end no, the way I you know. wanted it to end, but that's it's got to be my pick. I, I love it. I'm happy you brought it up because it's very fitting that John Tavares did it. He also did it on the island as well. Yeah. It's like a score two kind of playoff remarkable. overtime goals and they both advance you out of out of series. It was incredible. I think that it's so hard to remove the aftertaste of what happened after. But as we get farther and farther away, you know, I made this point at the time when we talk about Tavares' leaf legacy, that in the moment it feels like, you know, I'm sure people would call, I wouldn't call it this, but people would say, oh, it's a failure. You won one series. You never did anything. But, you know, there there are leaf playoff goals that I hold very near and dear to my heart that they lost that game. (laughs) forget the series next round. (laughs) So the farther we get away from it, I think we are going to look at that moment as a, you know, again, I hope there's better ones. I hope that is just a little kindling on the bonfire that is Leaf success. But if it's not, we're always going to look, look back on it. Uh, Another story. I feel like we have to talk about, you mentioned baseball there and I agree, like just kudos to Rob Manfred on the, on the rule changes. But if we're going to talk baseball, we have to talk about the story of the year which was Otani. I mean, the twist and turns, the Blue Jays' involvement in it, him ending up getting kind of $700 million. That is, I think, when we look back on it, going to be 
and I don't know, maybe it's recency bias. Maybe I'll be sitting there on New Year's Eve watching everybody else's best of list and go, oh, yeah, I'm idiotic. That was not, but <laughs> maybe it is recency bias. Do you think so? Because it does still feel to me like that was the story of the year. Like we had a guy who did both, then he stopped because of Tommy John. And guess what? He still rakes. And guess what? Get 700 fake million dollars from from the Dodgers. We have the the <laughs> you know the plane stuff and whatever. We don't need to relitigate it all. But God, what a story! And I actually I think it's gonna be a long time until there's a free agency crazier than that one. Yeah, it's it's not that he signed with the Dodgers. It's that it's how it went down and the plane and the coverage mm-hmm. and the the sheer hysteria. And I, I do, do not blame the fans for getting excited about it because you should get excited about that kind of stuff. But it was just a while. I think my favorite part about all of it, Gunner. So it, the when right before Blair and Barker went on the air that Friday, we were all mm-hmm. sitting in the newsroom on the other side of the yep. building, and I was I was there because I was going on afterwards right. at seven o'clock uh, with Raj, and I remember. <laughs> the, so the assignment desk is right next to where we all sit mm-hmm. for all of Sportsnet, and so the assignment desk came over to where we were all sitting, all the radio people, and they were like. Hey, everyone, one of the news channels is scrambling a chopper. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like Kawhi Leonard all over mm-hmm. again. And so they, we have this little TV that is, is honestly the size of my computer monitor. And it, it was just on one of the desks. And all of us, like Ailish and Justin yeah. and Blair and Barker and myself and Will had just come back from mm-hmm. the Raptor show. We're all standing there huddled around this tiny, grainy feed of a helicopter circling the like Terminal B or whatever Amazing. it is at Pearson. And you couldn't see squat. Like you couldn't see a single person. You couldn't see, you know, you're so far away. I just think that will forever for me go down as just one of the most memorable moments, maybe of my entire career, just because I, I, I think that ended for me when uh, Blair got up and he said, I can't be a part of this. And then he just, <laughs> and then he just walked away. He just, he just walked away from the whole group. So I think that, that I think almost added oh. to the Shohei story being one of the more incredible stories of the year. That feels very on brand. I will also add like incredible. Yes. But my, I have to say my least favorite story sure, now that fair. it's said and done. The, the idea of, and I, I gave this comp during it, and I don't know, maybe it was emotional or whatever, but I kind of compared Shohei to Aaron Rodgers in the moment because he has a lot of, hey, like, look at me, make everything about me. Don't you dare talk to me in a way I don't want to be talked to or talk about me. Like, it's a lot of look at me, look at me. No, no, not like that. Not like that. Like, he wants all the attention foisted upon him, but he doesn't want any information about oh, right, him out there. Right. He doesn't have anything to say that's interesting. He doesn't want to talk after his starts. Like, it all just irked me to no end. And obviously, obviously, I would have loved it if Otani ended up being a Blue Jay. But now that he's not, I honestly do feel good riddance like he is a dh until he proves otherwise like we don't need to relitigate it all but yeah that is if we're doing like most annoying or however or least favorite most irksome one thousand percent otani watch for 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 me yeah i think so too i i i think for maybe my the only one more irksome is maybe how the jay season ended but again oh. maybe maybe that's more of a moment kind of to yeah. your rbc yeah, yeah, open yeah. point maybe that's just a, a single snapshot in time versus a whole story but mm-hmm. i agree with you I, th- I think a lot of my goodwill for shohei otani has also evaporated i mean, I was a big fan <laughs> of his like in a vacuum yeah. because he had nothing really to do with the blue jays and he's, he's still kind of yeah and you know what i always kind of felt like I, I, I kind of embraced that a little mm-hmm. bit, the whole it's showtime thing mm-hmm. when the uh, Angels announcers would say it. And I don't know, now that they're going to say it in, in for the Dodgers, it seems like a little, yeah, a little grosser. I am, cu- I am really curious to see if we do have a worm-turning moment uh, for, for Shohei. And, like, obviously we're going to have it here when the Dodgers come, but I'm curious how that is you know, viewed across baseball as it, as it goes on. All right, we're uh, wrapping things up here, and I'm not excited at all, I promise. We talked about this a little earlier when we did the wake and rake. Okay. 
What version of the Leafs do we get tomorrow? Do we get the version of the Leafs that has been yelled at and told they were bad boys and they need to be better if they want to get presents under the tree? Or do we get the version of the Leafs that was closer to what we saw in Buffalo last night? You know, I think we get the good version. I think we get the the, the Santa Claus uh, okay. coming under the tree for presents version. They, they go into the holiday break with a win. It's a high-scoring game, but they pull it out in Columbus. Okay, that's exactly what I say. I think the Leafs, it's far from a Picasso, but they find a way and they score more. Thank you to Mackie. Thank you to Azzo. And thank you all you. Love Fam Morning Show on Sports Day 590 The Fan.